0: or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclive.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning church. How's everybody feeling today? Still waking up a little bit, I can see that, that's okay. If you're new here today and this is your first time at the Greenwood campus, at the Franklin campus, the Banda campus, Garfield Park campus, or if you're watching for the first time online somewhere, uh, locally here, or even across the country, and maybe even across the world, we want to welcome you. My name is Danny, and for those of you who are not new, welcome back. Can we give it up for all of our new folks and everyone who's coming back? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, we're in a series right now called The Art of Living, and this is a pretty lengthy series because we wanted to talk about a lot of different skill sets in the book of Proverbs. Here's what I'm talking about. Life is like art. When you look at a beautiful piece of artwork, whether it's a painting or a sculpture or a piece of music or a poem or a piece of literature or whatever the artwork is, when it's beautiful, when it, when it captures your heart, it leads you to think about at least it does for me the 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 skill set behind the art the artist behind the art every great piece of art is put together or created by someone that has amazing skill isn't that true about artwork I was admiring some of the sunsets this, uh, during this fall season and, and how the moon, we just recently had a full moon. Anybody see the full moon? And I was sitting back and I was watching the full moon one night on my back deck and I was just, I was marveling at the color. It was like this slight orange color and was crystal clear and it was coming up through some branches in the backyard of, a, a, of our, in, in our backyard there. And I was just like, wow, what an incredible, beautiful piece of artwork and then my mind went to the artist behind the artwork, and that is God. I think that's true about life. When you look at someone who's living an incredible life, a beautiful life, a life that's impacting others, and they have a beautiful family, and they have a quality marriage, or maybe, maybe they just have a quality relationship with their children, and they, they do great work at their job, and they're making an impact in the community, I often sit back and I think, wow, what a beautiful life, what a great life. Behind that life is great skill. The ability to live well. There's not many people living well today. And I'm so thankful that we have the Bible, and and it gives us this book, this book of the Bible called Proverbs, and inside the book of Proverbs, we find all of these axioms and one-liners and basically these skill sets that we need to create what, what Proverbs, what Solomon would say is a successful life, not successful in the sense of, you know, the American idea of lots of money and fame and fortune and cars and whatever, toys, not like that but success in the sense that you are reaching your potential in each and every area of your life. When you are experiencing God's best in your, in your relationships or in your emotions or in your spirituality, in your relationship with God, or maybe you're in your parenting with your children, or maybe in your finances. The book of Proverbs is written for that very purpose. The purpose of the Proverbs is to help people to live disciplined and successful lives, to do what is right, just, and fair. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 3. It's written from a father to a son to prepare his son to live. A beautiful, successful life, and so that's what we've been doing. We've been looking at these different skill sets. In week number one, we looked at the fear of the Lord, having a deep respect and honor for God that pushes us away from evil and draws us into the good. The, the fear of the Lord simply means that we are carefully determining what pleases God. Why? Because we want to honor Him and we want to respect Him. And then last week, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about this concept of humility and how humility helps us to conquer the destructive forces of pride in our life. And that was week two. And then last week we talked about enduring under pressure, which is a skill that we all need during this time right now as our country is facing a pandemic and we're going through all kinds of political unrest and, and the different things. We must have the skill of endurance under pressure. If you missed that, man, go back and watch that. I think it'll be a blessing to you. So today I want to talk about one more skill set. And it's, it's all over the book of Proverbs. In fact, Solomon writes about this one skill set 150 times. There are 150 different specific one-liners in 31 chapters in Proverbs about this one specific skill. And that is a skill of using your words for good. Using your words for good. The average human being uses about 16,000 words a day. Women speak a, a few more words, not much, but a few more words than men do, and that's, that's um, you know, I don't know, um, to be expected. No, that's not fair, ladies. What's wrong with me? No, but you ladies do talk more than guys do. It's just a thing. Uh, but some people talk a lot more. Some people use up to about forty to fifty thousand words a day, and some te- people use only about ten thousand words a day. But we all use, on average, about fifteen to sixteen thousand words. That's a lot of words. Are we using them to bring about good, or are we using them to bring about harm? Solomon has some incredible things to say about using words. In your notes, I I want to begin with this concept. Solomon says that your words have incredible potential for self-inflicted harm. He wants to make this abundantly clear to his son. He says, son, when it comes to your words, you can absolutely destroy your life. We, can't, we don't have time to look at all 150 Proverbs today. We'd be here for a long time, but we do have some time to look at a few. Let's look at a few of the Proverbs that Solomon tells his son. Proverbs 13:3, Those who control their tongues, son... They have a long life, and that's another way of saying it. you're going to live a good life, a long life with something to be desired and, 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 and envied. If you control your mouth, you'll, you'll live a great life. But on the other hand, opening your mouth can, say it with me, can ruin everything. See, right now, I have the potential to ruin my entire life. Why? Because I'm talking. When you're talking, you run the risk of messing everything up. That's what Solomon says to his son. I was in the gym the other day working out with a guy, and not with a guy, but he was there, and he came up to me and said, man, you know, I was in this relationship, and everything was going fine, and then it, she ended it because I opened my big fat mouth. He just said it right there. I was like, oh, that's a great sermon content right there. Thank you very much. And, you know, he didn't get into everything that he said, but he said, he said you know, I started telling her what I thought about this and what I thought about that, and she said, I'm out of here. Have you ever been there? Everything's going fine until you spoke, <laughs> until you said that thing to the boss, and then you know you got on his list, and then you got overlooked for the raise, or he got let go, or whatever. Everything was going fine, you know, in the marriage, and then you started to mouth off and say, you know, and then the marriage went sour. Everything was going fine in your parenting, and then you started to come down hard on the kid, or you started to mouth off to your mom and dad, and things got sideways in the house. We've all been there. In fact, if I did a little interview with every single one of you, everybody watching online, all of our campuses, if I said to you today, is there someone in your life that you don't speak to? There's a high percentage that many of you would say, yes. I don't talk to my brother. I don't talk to my mother. I don't talk to my sister. I don't talk to my dad. My dad doesn't talk to my brother. My dad doesn't talk to my mom. They got divorced. Because why? Because we said some things that were so extraordinarily hurtful that it broke the family up. Solomon says, man, when you talk, you have incredible, incredible potential to, to bring about self-inflicted harm on your life. James, the brother of Jesus, takes it to the next level. He, takes, he plays upon what Solomon says, and he writes these words. Listen to how graphic these words are. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue, this little piece of flesh in your mouth, I don't even know how much it weighs, a pound, less, half a pound, I don't know. You got a fat tongue, a skinny tongue, I don't know. All the parts of the body, the, the tongue is a, a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. As if that's not graphic enough or if, it, if that doesn't embellish this truth enough. Listen, to he takes it a step further. Your tongue can set your whole life on fire, for it is set fire. On fire by hell itself. The only thing worse James could have said is that Satan's inside of you, talking. <laughs> I mean, he's literally saying your tongue is this, is this world of fire from hell. It'll, 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 it'll corrupt your whole life. It'll set your whole life on fire and just destroy you and everyone around you. That's the potential of the tongue. Back in 1871, there was an incredible fire called the Chicago Fire. You heard about it? It burned for three days straight. It left 1 million people homeless. 250 people died. $170 million of property damage was recorded. Here's a photo of it. It completely completely destroyed three entire blocks of Chicago. One little fire, and it spread, and it spread, and it spread. James is saying, this is the destructive force of your tongue, this little piece of flesh in your mouth. To which we all should sit, that, sit back and say, when we read those passages, when we read the Bible, whoa. Whoa. Now, what's interesting, on the other side of this coin, Solomon is quick to say, however, son, however, in your notes, your tongue, your words also have incredible potential for life. And healing, to bring life and healing to those around you. It, it can produce incredible harm. It can set your whole life on fire. It can ruin everything, ruin a marriage, ruin your business relationships, ruin your integrity, ruin your reputation. But it can also bring life and healing to those around you. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. Again, we don't have time to go through all 150, but let's look at a few. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. We just talked about that. It, it, you, you can kill someone with your words but, son, listen up, the tongue of the wise brings, to, say it with me, brings what? Healing, a little bit louder, come on, healing. It's like, Jane, it's like he's saying, son, your words can be like a first aid kit to people. They can literally just, you know, you can come on the scene with your words, with your tongue, and you can just bring all kinds of healing to people. Let's figure out what's inside of this thing here. We've got gauze. We, son, when someone's been bloodied up because of someone's words, you can come alongside and you can wrap them up and stop the bleeding with your words. Son, when someone's mind is going, going crazy because of what something said, someone said, you can give them some aspirin or some ibuprofen and relieve the, the mental the, you know, pressure that they have in their head. Son, when someone's been burned by someone else's words, you can bring some burn gel and, and, and soothe them with your words. Your, your words, son, can be like, a first aid kit. Instead of bringing harm and destruction you can bring healing and you can bring life. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 24 he says this, kind words son are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy to the body. Words like this, hey you got what it takes I believe in you we're going to make it through this you're an incredible person. I'm glad God put you in my life. I'm so proud of you. Words have this incredible power to heal. The other day I was in Starbucks. It was Friday. I was just sitting there doing some Sabbathing. It's my day off and just chilling. And I uh, had a nice little, uh, you know, uh, latte there because I had the, the the free the free drink on the app. Don't you love the free drink on the app? You gotta spend like $7,000 to get it, but. <laughs> so I got my free, you know, extra tall, big drink there. And this, this guy walks in and he recognizes me. And he says, man, I appreciate the sermon last week, you know, three feet from gold. And, you know, I was just ready to give up and you helped me push through. I was like, man, no problem. It's great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And he walks out. And he comes, comes right around and walks back in. Walks right over to me, and I'm like, oh, so you wanna say something else? You know, I didn't know what he was in He looks at me, and says, do you remember that small group we were in years ago? And we happened to be in a small group together. And I said, yeah, I do. He said, if you had quit, that small group wouldn't have happened, and my life would have never been changed. And because you didn't quit, that small group saved my life. It's exactly what he said to me. And then he walked out, put his mask back on, and i was just sitting there like wow talk about affirmation and encouragement and god saying oh my favor is upon your life i sat there and basked in this emotional uh, i don't even moment of joy because of his words that is the power of words, they can bring incredible healing and encouragement and life to somebody. Or they can bring fire and destruction and pain, not just to you, but to those around you. Mark Twain said this, I love this quote. It's true for me too. I can live for two months on a good compliment. What is he saying? He's not talking about physical life, he's talking about emotional energy. Like when you have somebody come alongside you and say, you know, you're an incredible person. What you do for this company, or without you, our company wouldn't be what it is, or without you, our family wouldn't be what it is. And I'm so so thankful for you in my life. The surge of energy that you get from, from words, what an incredible thing. Solomon says to his son, probably the most poignant sentence on this issue. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, he says, Son, listen, the tongue can bring death or life. The choice is yours. Today I want to talk about how do you become the person who uses words to bring about good instead of harm, to be a, a first aid kit to people who need help, rather than a, someone who spreads fires and destruction. If we ask Jesus this question, which I think is a good idea. Do you think we should kind of look at what Jesus thinks about some stuff? What do you think? Was he pretty smart on this stuff? Did he he know? Okay. So when you ask Jesus about, hey, Jesus, you know, what would would we need to do to become the type of person who could use words? We're going to use words, 16,000 a day, some of us more, some of us less. But if we're going to use words to bring about good, how would we do that? Like you're the master, you're the Lord, you're the king of the universe. You hold it all together by the word of your power. You created everything for yourself and for your glory. How would we do this? How do we use this tongue, this thing in our mouths to bring about good? You know what he would say? He would actually start with a question. Jesus would, he would do that because he did that all through the New Testament. Somebody asked him a question, he'd ask him a question. Kind of obnoxious, but he did it anyway because he's Jesus. (laughs) I think he would ask the question back to you and I. Well, that's a good question, but let me ask you a question. What's in your heart? Gee, what do you mean, what's in my heart? I'm asking you how to use words well. You know, Proverbs says I can bring life or death, and, you know, there's you know, p- sword piercings, and there's healing, and I want to be the guy that brings life, and how do I do it? What are you asking me about what's in my heart? What, is that? what does that have to do with anything? Well... Let me, let, me, let me tell you why Jesus would ask this question. In, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus heals this guy who is demon-possessed and he cannot talk and he cannot hear, and he, and he does it in front of the religious leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they, they're trying to find a way to discredit him, disprove him and all this stuff and so. But they cannot deny that something supernatural just happened. In Matthew chapter 12, you can read the whole chapter when you get home today. So they come up with this plan to say, well, we can't say that something divine didn't happen or something supernatural didn't happen, but we also want to discredit Jesus. So here's what the Pharisees say. They say the reason that he's able to do this is because he's of the devil. He's the prince of demons, and they call him Beelzebub. That way they can affirm that something extraordinary has happened, but they attribute the healing to the devil himself, which is not a good idea when you're talking to Jesus. It's called blasphemy, okay? When you attribute the works of God to the devil, not a good plan, okay? So Jesus has some things to say to them. He says them, and then he follows up what he has to say with these words. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, you brood of snakes, which is as close as Jesus ever got to cussing somebody out. Okay, never, (laughs) you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? And then he lays this statement on them that is true of them, but it's also true of me, and it's also true of you, and it's true of every human being alive. Listen to this next statement. Whatever, for whatever is in your, say it with me, in your heart determines what you say with me. Say Whatever is inside of you determines what comes out of your mouth. This is why Jesus would ask the question, what's in your heart? Because what's in your heart determines what you say. In other words, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And the next verse, Jesus explains what he means about you, about me, about these Pharisees. He says this in verse 35. A good person produces good things from the treasury of what? A good heart, but the good, the good things that have been stored up inside, and there's been a cumulative effect there. On the other hand, an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of what? From the buildup of an evil heart. The words that you and I speak come from the contents of our heart. So really what I'm trying to say to you today, or what Jesus is trying to say to you today, would be that you don't really have word problems we have heart problems. If you wanna fix your words, you gotta fix what's going on in your heart because the mouth only says what is inside of your heart. It, it, it blows me away and, and it'll probably, probably, you'll probably agree with this that when it comes to saying hurtful things or things that can bring a fire into your life and destroy things around you, we're so quick to backtrack and say to those we've said these things to, well, I didn't mean that. I, 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 I didn't mean what I said. I, that wasn't me. I'm, I, that was out of character. That, was out of, that wasn't really me. Man, I just had a long day yesterday. I didn't get much sleep last night, and, and that's why I said that. Have you ever done this? It's called shirking responsibility. It's called dodging responsibility responsibility. Not owning your words. And it never really works because the person who heard what you had to say, the person who was on the receiving end of those hurtful words, they don't believe you anyway. Here's what they think. You wouldn't have said it if you didn't mean it. Am I right? It came out of your mouth because you meant it. Like, don't tell me you didn't mean it. You meant it. Here's what Jesus would say. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What is he trying to say? He's trying to say take ownership of your words. I had a friend of mine I was talking to about this uh, this week, and she said this quote: "I am divorced today because neither I nor my husband would own our words." Wow. End quote. See, when we say something mean or ugly or nasty or hurtful or, or, or envious, when we say something like inappropriate or off-color or lustful or perverted, when we say these things and then we back away and say, "Wow, well, I had a bad day, it wasn't me, Is out of character, I didn't mean it, we're denying the reality of, of, of how things work. Jesus would say, the reason that came out of your mouth is because that was what's in your heart. So when I mess up, and I do, I do, I've said some really rotten things to my family. I have, it's embarrassing. I'm not gonna quote them to you. <laughs> but what I try to do is say, hey, when I said that I was wrong, I'm right now I have anger in my heart. And, and that anger caused me to say that, I'm sorry. That, oh, that's ownership, that's taking responsibility. That's who I am. Right now, that's, that's what's in my heart, right, it's ugly. Right now, I've got some ugliness in my heart, that's why I'm saying those things. It's not right. Daddy's got some issues to work on. And the next day when I do my devotions, which I do, I do them every day, not because I'm spiritual, it's because I got a, a lot of junk in my heart. I'm dealing with what's in my heart. I'm asking God to deal with the thing that caused me to say that hurtful thing. This is how we change. I don't just get up and read the Bible and say, oh, I've read my Bible. You know, keep, the, keep the, the, you know, the streak going on the YouVersion app, which I love the streak. I love the streak. It's fine. But that's not the point of it. The point of spending time with God is for him to change who you are. Your words reveal the problems. Word problems are heart problems. You with me, yes or no? See, this is the kind of message that makes your church shrink because this isn't fun. <laughs> this is kind of like, oh, man, he's killing me right now. I know. I'm not. Jesus is blame it, I'm gonna blame it on him. We asked him what to do about our word problems. He says, what's in your heart? So here's how we're gonna fix it. Two things, and I've been doing this for years. I'm not perfect at all, but this has helped so much. Two things, here's how we're gonna fix our word problems. Number one, we're gonna focus on filling our heart with what is good, with the good things. Accumulate good treasure in your heart and your words will take care of themselves. Like, whatever's in there is gonna come out. If you've got kindness and gentleness and patience and love and grace and mercy and and, and you have these things swelling up inside of you, then your words are going to be graceful and loving and gentle and patient. You don't have to try to speak kind words if kindness is in you. Is this making sense, yes or no? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, which is in your notes there. There's a little, uh, if you have a handout today, there's a little place where you can cut this off. We did that on purpose because it's my favorite verse. Well, that's not true. It's one of my favorite verses. I have a lot of favorite verses, okay? But it's one of my favorite verses. And it's the first verse I ever memorized. I was a brand new Christian. I was 17 years old, and this uh, old retired missionary gave me a card, an index card, with this Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 on. And he said, "Memorize this. It'll change your life." 17 years old? Yes, sir. Here's what it says: "Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things." I can still quote it today. Talk. Think about it all the time. What Paul is saying here in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 is to fill your mind, which mind and heart are connected. It's the same thing. It's your soul. Fill your soul with whatever is true, right, noble, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise, all things that are beautiful and all things that are true and honest and just and pure. Fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it. So I, so I started doing that years ago. And now there's been this accumulation factor of what is true and right and noble and good and just and worthy of praise and excellent, all these different things. And my words, I don't have a problem with my words. Do I mess it up? Do I sin with my words? Yeah, I do sin with my words. But it's, 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 it's the exception, not the rule. Does ugliness come out of my mouth? Yeah, it does from time to time, especially at roundabouts. It's just crazy to think. <laughs> but, but, but even now, I'm mean, getting better because I'm working on the contents of my heart and Goodness, what, is, what, 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 are, what are some examples of what is true, right, just, pure, lovely, admirable, That's worthy of praise? First of all, start with the Bible. Every day I'm putting good, the goodness in my Bible. Again, this morning, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 2, I was in Isaiah, I was in the Psalms this morning, I was in Proverbs this morning, just filling my mind and filling my heart with good ideas, good truth from God's word. Music, I fill my mind with music, I, I have got this, I've got da- playlists of worship music, and I'm filling, I'm pouring, I'm filling, I'm pouring good ideas about God that are causing me to love him and worship him, goodness, goodness, good friends. Filling my life, I've got some incredible friends who love God, and they're so generous, and they give their lives to this community, and they give their lives to help people across the world. I was, with, uh, I was with Chase Smith this week. You guys know Chase? He's battling cancer. His story's been in the news and so on and so forth. I had lunch with him this week. Just filled my life. Chase is a good people. I prayed before the meal, and then after the meal was over, he said, I know this is a little awkward, but can we pray after the meal too? I said, Chase, we could pray all day if you want. By the way, he's doing great. The doctor gave him three to five months to live. That five months was up last week. He's doing great. Yeah, amen, amen. He's on borrowed time right now, and he's getting stronger, and he's gaining weight. Chase Smith, good people, good people. You know, uh, I've just got, I've got this, this, this uh, friend of mine. Uh, her name's Jackie. Jackie Anderson. She's my wife. Today's her birthday. Yeah, yeah, today's her birthday. Listen. Listen, this is good people. This is good people. She is a good person. I, 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 I'm, I always admire the, the fact that whenever she's around, she's always trying to make the lives of other people better. That's what a good person does. This is my best friend. It's like... Get goodness in your life with good people and good music. And I'm reading a great book right now called The Second Mountain by David Brooks. Oh, he reminds me of C.S. Lewis, a little bit of Dallas Willard, but he's nice coming from a different. It's such a good book. And it's teaching about how to give your life away to other people and live in an others' focused life. I just read that. I read stuff like that all the time. Good books, good podcasts, good friends, good scriptures, good music, good, good, good. Add some good food in there, good cup of coffee. I mean, life is great, right? But that's a choice. That's a choice to think about these things. Consume your mind with goodness. Why? Not so that you can have better words. Your words will take care of themselves. Jesus said it this way. The mouth speaks with the heart is full of so my job and your job if you want to use words well is to fill your mind and soul with good things but secondly number two you gotta empty your life of the bad oh this is so tough this is so tough you gotta get rid of the bad stuff Colossians chapter three the apostle Paul deals with some of this three different phrases I want you to notice them they're gonna pop up in yellow here okay this is some tough teaching okay this is hard this is not fun but this is necessary, Colossians chapter three. Notice the three phrases in yellow. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking where? Within you. These are the things that are inside of me. These are the things that are inside of you. Every person have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires lurking inside of you. Don't be greedy, there's greed inside of us. A greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. He continues, now is the time to, watch this, get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and now comes the slander, the things we do with our tongue and the dirty language. He continues, don't lie to each other for you have stripped off the old sinful nature and, the, and its wicked deeds. Strip it off, get rid of it, put it to death. Paul is saying you have to empty yourself of the bad. see The spiritual growth process is a process of putting on the new and letting go of the old. How do you do that? Well, with intention. With intention. You repent. You turn from it. You ask God to help you. Let go of the old sinful patterns and anger and lust and slander and greed and get these things out of me and confess them, leave them, walk away from them, get away from environments where those things are, are triggered inside of you. That's what Jesus would say. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, chop it off. What does he mean? He doesn't mean literally chop your hand off or pop your eye out. He means get away from anything that causes you to be tempted. Get around different people. Get in a small group of people who are pursuing good things, not bad things. I mean, this is an all-out effort. You cannot let go of the bad if you don't change some of your patterns and behaviors and habits. But if you want to change your words, if you want to win with words, you got to let go of some of the bad. Have you ever noticed that you talk like the people around you? If you have a problem with the F word, it's probably because the people around you are using it. Hello. Did I get did I just make everybody uncomfortable? Sort of, kind of. It's just they're using it. You use it. You talk like them. They talk like you. Like I don't use the word, because people around me don't use the word. I don't have a problem with that word. And I'm a problem with other cuss words. Not because I'm spiritual, it's just my group around me, they don't use those words. I don't use those words. So we don't say those words. You gotta get around the right people. We've got to fill our heart and mind with the good, and we've got to let go of the bad. Solomon said it like this to his son in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk, I forgot this part. I left it out. I didn't forget that. I left it out. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, I got to admit, I like talk. I don't love it. I like to, only because my, I want my words to bring healing. I like the consequences. I like to help people in their marriage and I got to use words to do that. I like to help people overcome, you know, a a battle with anger. I got to use words to do that. I love to help people put their faith in Christ. I got to use words to do that. I love the consequences of words if you use them correctly. I love to lift people's spirits who are down or discouraged or struggling with anxiety or fear. I got to use words to do that. I love the consequences of words. And so I'm trying to use them extraordinarily, uh, in an extraordinarily careful way, to bring about the most healing and the most life that I possibly can. See, in your notes there, if you want to control your tongue, you have to monitor your heart. That's it. That's how you begin to use words well. What is really in my heart? The question Jesus would leave with you and the question he would leave with me is, what is in your heart? That's what I want you to ponder. How do you know what's in your heart? Just monitor your words. If your words are ugly, you got ugliness in there. If your words are lustful, you got lustful. If they're inappropriate, you got something going on in there. If you got angry words coming out, don't blame the person, don't don't say you made me angry. No, 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 that person, God used that person to show you what's in your heart. Hello, can I get not many amens to that one? Can we, can we get one? Amen. A- amen. Don't blame the situation. The, that situation, the boss made me angry. My child made me angry. The traffic, ma- the roundabout made me angry. No, no, no. God used that thing to show you and me what's in our heart. And the words revealed it. What's in your heart? Word problems are heart problems. You wish me? This is not a fun talk to give. Like, I don't think I'm going to get many emails this week. Oh, thank you so much, pastor, for that message. It was so encouraging. Nope. Not this one. But you need it. And so do I. Yes? Yes or no? Yes or no? So, so let me wrap this up. Jesus didn't stop when he said, hey, you know what? These, you brood of snakes, you know, you bad dudes, and you can't say good stuff because you're bad, you're bad inside, and I'm paraphrasing right now. But he didn't stop there. He kept Talking in Matthew chapter 12. He said some incredible things. Listen to what he said in Matthew chapter 12. And I tell you, you must all or you must give an account on Judgment Day for, watch this, every idle word that you speak. Whoa. (laughs) Let this sink in. So you and I are gonna come to a judgment day. Every single one of us are gonna die, and we're gonna come to a judgment day before God, and on that day, it's like, it's like God has a recorder. You know, we're all worried about Siri listening to us. Is, 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 he, is she listening? Is it, well, may or may, I don't know the answer to that question. But I do know this. I do know that God is listening. And on our judgment day, we will give an account for every idle word. Whoa. God's going to review everything we said. And then Jesus said this. Watch this. The words that you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Wow, think about this. You die, you're before Jesus, and, and there's gonna be an acquittal or there's gonna be a condemnation. What's the determining factor? Our words, the things that we say, the things we have said. Why? Why is Jesus gonna look at our words on our judgment day? Because they reveal what's in our heart. And that's what he cares about. He didn't really care about our words. It's not the words he's gonna look at. He's gonna look at what the words reflect in the heart. Belief, unbelief, hatred or love. Faith or unbelief. And based on what our words reveal in our heart, we will be acquitted or we will be condemned. Which is exactly why Paul said these words in Romans chapter 10 in, in regards to being what we would call saved, saved from our sins, saved from the penalty of hell. Listen to these words carefully and watch the connection between the words and the heart. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your, say it with me, in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, only then will you be saved. You see the connection? Jesus is not looking for you to say something out loud like Jesus is Lord and then you're saved. He's not not talking about your actual words. If that were the case, we'd make everybody say the words out loud when we do the salvation prayer. He's not looking at the actual words. He's looking at what the words in your mind are, are, are reflecting in your heart. Our words reveal the contents of our heart. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If the mouth is gonna speak faith, it means that there's faith in the heart. Let me ask you a question today, do you have faith? Have you believed in your heart that God has raised Christ from the dead, that Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago to pay the penalty for your sins so that you can be reunited with God, so you can walk with him and live with him right now and then on into all eternity after death? Have you trusted in Christ, believed in your heart? Have you said it with your mouth? Jesus says, Lord, if you haven't, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of faith, it's a moment where you would say with your mouth to God, silently in your mind, we're always having a conversation going on in our mind, where you would say to God, I believe, I trust, I turn from my sin, I believe in you, I believe you died on the cross. Make me your child, wash away my sin. If you've never done that before, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer where you can take it, turn these words into your own words, silently speak them to God. And today, not based on my authority, today based on Paul's authority and the authority of scripture, you will be saved from your sins. Will you pray with me if you feel led to? Take these words, speak them to God. Let them be a reflection of the faith in your heart. Dear Jesus, I speak your name today. I declare that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that you died for me and that your father raised you from the dead to wash away all my sin, to cleanse me to make me your child. So I ask, be my savior today. Wash me of my sin. And from this day forward, teach me the skills to create a beautiful life, to fear you, to walk humbly, to endure under pressure, to use my words to bring about good. Fill my heart with the good right now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church wants to celebrate with you, don't we? Come on, church, nice and loud. Amen, amen. If you trusted in Christ today, we would love to put a saved box in your hands. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. If you did that, if you prayed that prayer, if you text the word SAVE to 65248, we will send one of these to you in the mail. There's a Bible inside here. There is a, a few instructions on how to get connected to our church. And there's also a coffee mug in here just to say congratulations. So one more time, church, can we just give God praise for what he's doing? Almost 900 people have been saved this year alone. And maybe today you're one of them. Will you pray with me and then we're gonna pass things off to our local teams. God, thank you so much for the scriptures. We can look into Proverbs, we can look into the book of Matthew, we can look into the book of Colossians, we can look into the book of James and receive so much instruction about this life and our words and the power of our words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love to speak will, will reap its consequences. God, I pray that we would experience wonderful benefits from speaking life, from bringing life, from, being he, for, from bringing healing into people's lives, being a first aid kit to patch up, to heal the wounds of others. Help us to monitor the contents of our heart so that we can speak life and not death. We pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I'm gonna hand things off right now to our local campuses. God bless you guys. See you next week.